welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Praise God. Thanks, team. Thank you for leading us in worship. Such a joy to be gathering together this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, once again, unusual circumstances, uh, but we gather together by faith today. And we can come with expectant hearts, expecting God to move in our midst, perhaps now more than ever, not because he has changed, but because we've been changed by the circumstances around us. And today, as we look into God's word, we've got an opportunity to really be transformed. Well, we've got a message today on our threefold redemption. I hope you're going to love it. I hope it's really going to minister to your heart. Our threefold redemption. You're going to need a piece of paper. You're going to need to be writing down some scripture references. Uh, I'll make all of the notes available to you. That'll be available for you to download as well. You're going to want to go back and restudy this. It's going to really make a difference to you. You know, if you've ever wondered what happened the day you got saved, and then a few days later, well, you were still having some problems. Your emotions were kind of all over the place. Uh, your, your thoughts hadn't changed. Maybe your mouth still sounded like it used to at times. Maybe your body wasn't doing what it, you needed it to do. Sickness, aches, pains, habits, sins. Well, we're going to look at our salvation, and it's salvation in three parts, almost like a good play. I love theater. I love uh, live performance theater. You know, in theater, you have a story that's told to you in acts. Well, our redemption, our salvation is given to us in three acts, if you will. And each act focuses in on a part of you and me. You know, God is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're created in his image, and we are triune beings. We have a spirit, you are a spirit, and you live in a body, and you have a mind, your will, and your emotions. Let's call that mind, will, and emotions is your soul. Scripturally, we know this to be the case. So you are in three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Well, God has a total plan of redemption, a total plan of salvation for your whole person, spirit, soul, and body. And we're going to take a look at how each one of these plays out. How do these acts happen? Just like a good play, acts happen in Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. There's a sequence and there's an order. Well, when we look at uh, salvation... Uh, your salvation, when you first believe, when you come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you become convinced that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you give your life to Jesus. You, you ask God to forgive you in Jesus' name of your sins, and God trades places. You trade places with Christ. He, he, who, uh, he became cursed. He, he who knew no sin became sin on the cross so that you would become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the day you believe that, 
with your heart and then confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as Lord, that day you're saved. Your spirit is saved. But your salvation process begins from there. That's just act one. The salvation of your soul is a one-time event. You are saved once in spirit. You become born again in spirit. And from then on, you move into act two. Scene one, scene two, scene three. We're going to take a real deep look at that. Act two is played out in the realm of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. So when we look at your spirit and the salvation of your spirit, this happens once like that when you believe. It is an accomplished fact. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your salvation is an accomplished fact, and the work within your spirit is done. There's nothing more to do there. And now that work that's happened in your spirit, what God has done there, that transformation, bringing you alive in spirit, born again in spirit, now begins to change everything about you. And that is a process. So the salvation of your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is a present process. So as you move through time, you're always living in the present and God is always working and inviting you to work in the area of your mind, your will, and your emotions. God works with you by the Holy Spirit, bringing salvation to you moment by moment, habit by habit, attitude by attitude, behavior by behavior, thought by thought, speech by speech, intention by intention. God begins to work on you. This is a process of sanctification that plays out. So that's in your soul. Act two is in your soul. Act one, your spirit. Act two, your soul. And act three, well, this is our blessed hope. So we're going to take a look at uh, this today. Let's take a look at our core verse for today, which will be 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24. So looking at our threefold redemption. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. So you can see there in 1 Thessalonians 5 that the salvation of your spirit, your whole spirit, your soul and your body is a work of God who is faithful. It all begins with being born again in spirit. Well, we, let's take a look at it. Let's um, unpack it a little bit. So your spirit saved once, job done. That's already happened if you are in Christ Jesus. Your soul though, is an experience of growth. This is an area where you engage in an ongoing process with God. And we're going to take a look at that process today. But this is where you are called to grow. God's not interested in you being perfect. He's interested in you being interested in growing. He's interested in you staying engaged with him and staying engaged with his word and allowing him to come into the area of your mind, your will, and your emotions 
and to begin to bring salvation to this behavior, that attitude, uh, that thought process that you're so prone to. God wants to transform all of those things in a specific way that he actually does that, but it's an ongoing process in your soul. With your body, however, on that final day, that one day, all of us at the same time will receive a resurrection body, a new body. Some of us will be walking around, and one second we're here, and the next second we're gone, but our body is transformed. Scripture says that this corruption will put on incorruption, become uncorruptible, eternally uncorruptible, that this mortality, mortality, this body that is, is really destined to die, it will be transformed in that moment and the mortal will put on immortality and become immortal, your body becoming eternal. What a great day that's going to be. You know, right now there are many who sleep in the body of Christ. And in other words, they, they were born again. They lived their whole life. And God worked with them. They worked day by day, moment by moment. God working with them to just bring salvation as a process to their soul. And then one day they died. And their body was put into the grave or the body was laid down wherever it is. God knows where everything is and where everyone who is his is. He knows. They've experienced salvation in spirit and in soul, but they are yet to experience the salvation of the body. Do you know the whole body of Christ will receive the salvation of the body at one time, at the exact same time? Think about that. What hope we have to look forward to. What an awesome day. Scripture describes it as our blessed hope. So we're still here, right? <laughs> You know, we wake up each morning and we're still here. What are we here for? What is it that God's doing? What is going on? Well, in a nutshell, we're here to make converts of the nations. We're here to go and make converts of the nations, but more than converts. I want to introduce a difference. What's the difference between a convert and a disciple? Well, a convert is someone who is born again in spirit. That's what makes you a convert. At that moment of salvation, you become a convert. So you become a convert. But salvation, being a process in your soul, it's that process that makes you a disciple. When you're born again, you become a convert, but when you start to engage with God in the area of your mind, will, and emotions, and he begins to bring salvation and sanctification there, you become a disciple. We are not only called to go and make converts of the nations, but then to go the next step, act two, and to bring them into discipleship, a discipleship relationship, not with us, but with God. Now, God can do that through us, but ultimately, it's with God. God discipling them. And we all look forward to the hope of our salvation, which is the salvation of our body at the coming of our Lord, all of us at the one time. So in summary, what's the difference between a convert and a disciple? Well, converts go to heaven, but disciples take people to heaven with them. Converts go to heaven, all converts go to heaven, but disciples take people to heaven with them. 
And God has not called us just to be converts. If you're alive and breathing today and you've been born again, God is calling you to make disciples, to be a disciple, and a disciple goes and makes disciples. A disciple goes and makes converts who they then lead into that discipleship relationship. So that's why we're here. That really is why you and I are still walking the earth today. Why didn't we just disappear out of here, job done, when we got born again? Well, God has work for us to do. And that work is to go out to the nations, carrying this message of grace to everyone that we find. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, just write this one down. It says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. Another translation renders it this way. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. Pay attention to that, disciple. It is God who is at work in you, both to will and and to work his good pleasure. You and I have been called to do good works. Disciples do good works, but it's God in us, working in us to will and to work his good pleasure. That's what's happening. That's who disciples are. Our identity is in Christ and in Christ alone. God in us, our hope of glory, working through us out into the nations and into those around us. That's what a disciple is. The Amplified, when it says, uh, uh, renders the part of God at work in you, working in you, the Amplified renders it this way, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire. God gives you power and a desire. I would I describe it it's it's there are times where where I just feel this itch within my spirit I feel this itch within my spirit that I just have to scratch I just have to actually go and do it it becomes this desire it's more intense than other things that I'm perceiving. It's coming from within me. It's a God thing, usually not something I would maybe normally or naturally do, but it's a desire. So it's God in you, energizing and creating in you that power and that desire. Let's have a look at another scripture. We'll have a look at this one. Turn to Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Let's look at the salvation of the body. Our bodies give us so much trouble. <laughs> but they are such a blessing. It's your earth suit. So Romans 13, 11. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. You know, this whole passage right here, this whole passage right here is preceded by love your neighbor as yourself. 
all talking about how we're meant to live our lives as disciples, as followers of Christ. And then this is the bit, this is the conclusion to that section in Romans 13. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Love is urgent. Catch that. Our supernatural love that we carry is urgent. Who's it urgent to? Well, it's urgent to God. It's urgent to you and me, and it's urgent to those who are lost and to those who are hurting amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's urgent. It's urgent. It's late. Time is running out. Wake up. There are many of us in the body of Christ today who really are just well, we're converts, but we can't claim the title of disciples. Or we're part-time disciples. Or maybe even worse, we're casual disciples. We just kind of take it when and as we feel it and feel like God owes it to us to leave us alone when we don't feel like it. God's patient, and he's gentle, and he's meek, but he has expectations of his children. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. That salvation is talking about there is not the salvation of when you're first born again. It includes that. But it also includes the, the complete salvation of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Wrestling in your emotions, wrestling in your mind, having problems with your will, wanting to do the right thing but choosing the wrong thing. That ends. This is talking about a day when that ends. And the problems you have with your flesh, with your body, that's all going to end. This passage is talking about your salvation is nearer now than when you first believed. Oh, this day is coming, hallelujah. Jesus is our soon coming king. Oh, he is coming. And it's going to change absolutely everything. Hallelujah. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Just read these real quick. Just write, write a notice to the reference. John 8, verses 31 to 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will will set you free. Disciples are the ones who actually stay engaged with Jesus' teaching, who, who are taught by the Lord. They're taught in word and they're taught in spirit. And they're taught in fellowship within the place that God would place them in the body of Christ. That's who disciples truly are. They follow his teaching. They are faithful to his teaching. Are you faithful to the teaching of Christ? Are you faithful to what God is teaching you, to what he's taught you and what he's teaching you today? Are you going to be faithful to what he's going to teach you tomorrow? Are you submitted to his loving authority? Scripture says that if you will do this, you will know the truth, and that truth will make you free. Salvation of the soul is a progressive process. It's a progressive process that ends on that final day with ultimate eternal freedom. 
that ultimate eternal freedom that we all long for. Scripture says we even groan for. The groanings, God hears them as prayers. He loves you. He knows what you're going through. Even your groans are prayers to God. God responds to the prayers of his sons and daughters. You can groan in faith before God who loves you. So let's look at how truth sanctifies. John 17, verse 16, again looking at the sanctification of your soul, the salvation of your soul, this ongoing process says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Jesus praying for the disciples and praying for you and I. Are you a disciple? Jesus is praying for you here. Go read John 17 and read his prayer and receive it in your life. They, you and I, do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. That word, make them holy, in other translations says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Oh, praise God. The scripture says that, uh, in one of the Psalms, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word, God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word in your heart dramatically improves the opportunities for you to get it right in your day-to-day walk. Dramatically lowers the possibility that you're going to sin. It doesn't mean you won't sin. The sanctification process doesn't mean you won't sin, but God's provided remedies for you when you do sin. Scripture says that if we will confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. On a moment-by-moment basis, you can mess it up and confess your sin to God, and He will wash that away. That one sin, that one stain gets washed away just like that. You, by your faith confessing your sin to God, and he's faithful and just to wash it away. That sanctification process in your soul happens moment by moment, sin by sin, thought by thought, action by action. God is there. He's given you everything that you need to live a godly life in this fallen world. Let's look at Acts uh, chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, Um, You don't need to pull this up, Elijah. But in Acts chapter 3, we see a man who sat at the gate beautiful outside the temple complex. He sat there day in and day out. He was a man who was lame in his legs. He would have seen Jesus and the crowds who followed him going in and out of the temple. He would have heard word about Jesus. Maybe he sat in the colonnade in the temple and listened from a distance as Jesus was teaching. He would have heard the Pharisees and the Sadducees criticizing Jesus, worried about Jesus. He would have heard all of these little conversations going around. He would have heard the rumors about Jesus who healed people. Of course, in Acts chapter 3, Jesus has already been crucified buried, resurrected back to life, walked amongst the disciples, and then ascended to heaven to sit down at the Father's right hand. In the book of Acts, it's all all about the body of Christ, the church, and the work that we have to do here in this earth. 
So this man sitting there with lame legs begging at the gate beautiful, and Peter and John walk up to him, and the man's expecting some silver or some gold, and they say, silver and gold, have I none? But what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And for the hand that was held out begging, I just see Peter grabbing that hand and pulling him. And the man rising up and his legs becoming firm underneath him, no longer lame. This progressive healing began to happen just in that moment. In Acts chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Verse 8, He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. This man was healed and saved. He was leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. He got born again in that moment, and his very next action was to follow them into the temple. Sanctification in the area of our soul happens in fellowship. It happens in the temple as we gather together at church as the body of Christ, and we begin to look at God's word, and we begin to learn from Jesus, becoming one of his true disciples, following his teaching. This man followed them into the temple. That is the very next thing that should happen to you and to I. To you and me, that's the very next thing that should happen. When we lead someone into into. Uh, salvation through Christ Jesus, we should encourage them to follow us into fellowship. Hallelujah. Don't just get them saved and make a convert and not offer to them, not open wide the door to discipleship. You've been invited to discipleship. You should be a disciple of Christ. You should be engaged in that process. Why would you not extend that to someone else? Well, a reason you might not extend that to someone else, might be because you're still a convert. I don't say that to be cruel, but I say that to ask your heart a question. Are you a convert to Christ or are you a disciple of Christ? Because you're called to be a disciple of Christ. God expects you to be a disciple of Christ. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you're going to heaven, but now you've got work to do, and discipleship is an important part of that. As a matter of fact, you can't achieve the Great Commission. You can't play any part in it if you're not a disciple. You have to be a disciple. So it's in this soul sanctification, discipleship process, where our soul really begins to grow. Begins to grow up into the fullness of the image of Christ Jesus. Our mind begins to think differently. Our mouth begins to speak differently. We begin to make better choices with our will, godly choices, uh, choices with eternal meaning, choices that align with the will of God. And our emotions, what what a storm our emotions can be. On any given day, your emotions can get the better of you, can't they? i got to put my hand up. On any given day, my emotions can get the better of me. I need God to come into my emotions and begin to sanctify me there. I was a man with a massive anger problem. 
Anger was a weapon that I used. And then I got saved. And then God to bring, began to bring conviction to my heart that that needed to go away. I read verses like, be angry and sin not. It's like, hang on, I can be angry and not sin? Well, what does that even look like? All I know is, knew back then was that when I got angry, I hurt people. Sarcasm, other things. Now, we need this sanctification. You need to be a disciple of Christ so that you can live better and more successfully on a day-by-day basis. You need this. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 tells us why we're saved. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Down in verse 8 in Titus 3 there, it says, so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. Truly, you have been born again to do good deeds in this earth. Good deeds that God leads you to do and has left you here to do and expects you to do. Good deeds that naturally flow out of a discipling relationship with Jesus Christ. These good deeds change things out in the world. They are a better witness about Jesus Christ and what you truly believe. Your works, the things you do are a better witness than your words are. Your words are important, don't get me wrong, but your actions speak a lot louder than your words. And unfortunately, we have many in the body of Christ today who aren't doing such a good job with their actions. They say one thing, but they're kind of doing another. We need to be on guard every day against living in a way that does not align with what God expects of us. And when we mess it up, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins if we'll confess it to him. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 4, I'll read a significant passage here, just looking more at the discipleship process within the soul. It says, He, God, has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature, catch that, and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. This discipleship process, God begins to bring these character traits and stack them one on top of the other in your life. And you can see there at the end of verse 7 that it takes you to a place of having a supernatural love for everyone. 
you know that you're beginning to, to reach a mature stage in your relationship with Christ when you begin to actually experience an actual love, and a supernatural love for everyone, regardless of how they've treated you, regardless of how they just spoke at you, regardless of whether or not they like you or not, regardless of whether or not they're good to you, you experience a supernatural overcoming love that flows through you to everyone. Oh, praise God. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond we, all we ask, think, or even imagine. I think one of the greatest miracles is being able to love the unlovely. It's easy to love somebody who's a lovely person. It's hard to love people who are unlovely. Verse 8 in 2 Peter chapter 1 says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look, you need to have a productive life. You're here for a reason, now accept it. You're here for a reason, now explore it. You're here for a reason, now grow into it. Grow into what God has called you to do in this life. Be as tall as you can in Christ Jesus. Come up into the fullest stature. Make that your purpose when your feet hit the floor in the morning. You need to change your mind. God's provided his word for that. You need to change your will. You can choose to do the right things you know you can. You need to change your emotions. They can be changed. God gives us beauty for ashes. Your emotions are changed in a relationship with God. That's where your emotions begin to change. In prayer, on your knees before him, being tested, even provoked by the world around you and people who are in front of you, those unlovely people, they can provoke you to anger, and now you get to learn that you can be angry and sin not. Oh, praise God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can truly do all things. This sanctification process of the soul is so important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39 says, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Oh, hallelujah. If you'll remain faithful to Christ and to his teaching, your soul will be saved in that process. And then on that final day, the work is done. No matter how far you got, the work is finished on that day. Completed work, all done, all dusted, all silent. All criticism of you, all silent. Those voices in your head that criticize you, those those. those things that tear at your identity and who God says you are, those things that strip at those things of God. They criticize those things of God, those voices that we all have within us, many of them programmed. Sometimes we are our own worst critic. For those of us who are faithful to this discipleship process, our souls will be saved moment by moment, thought by thought. Oh, hallelujah. Can you say hallelujah? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. James chapter 1, verse 21 gives us keen insight into how this is done. 
So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is the power to save your souls. It's the word of God that does most of the heavy lifting in terms of the sanctification process in your soul. But you got to choose to get rid of the filth and the evil in your life. You can't remain attached to those things and have the word of God really graft onto the inside of you. When you get rid of those things, you turn to the word of God and you humbly accept that word that God would place in your heart by the Holy Spirit. God places his word in your heart. It has the power to save your soul on all of those moment-by-moment bases that we were talking about. Romans chapter 8, verses 23 to 25 shows us that there is hope for our body. And we believers also groan. Oh, hallelujah. We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Verse 24, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we do not need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently for it. All of us need to be waiting patiently and confidently for the full salvation of our bodies on that day. Our adoption into God's family will be complete. Your spirit, your soul, and your body will be completely adopted, completely redeemed, completely sanctified. The days of groaning will be over with. The days of stinking thinking will be over with. The day where your will goes and causes damage and harm to others and to yourself will be over with. Oh, praise God, what a blessed hope we have. What a sweet relief that will be. Oh, hallelujah. Looking forward to it. Let's take a look at, at one more verse. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. <laughs> Talking about hope. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. <laughs> oh, yes, hallelujah. If you've given your life to Christ, you're born again. You have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. You should be engaged with the sanctification process, being discipled, by Jesus Christ, being transformed by the word of God and in fellowship with other believers. That should all be happening, but we hope for this last day when everyone will see what God has done with you. Everybody's going to see. How magnificent. I can't wait to look around the room that day. I love looking around the room when everybody's at church. At the moment, I love looking around the Zoom 
I love seeing your faces. But on that day, we're going to look around heaven and we're going to see one another and we are all going to be in awe. I'm in awe now. I hope you're in awe even as you're listening to this. What a blessed day. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So also Christ was offered once and for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. Hallelujah. Job done. Completely saved. What a great day. What a great day awaits us. But for now, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Oh, hallelujah. For now, you and I have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We have the fellowship of other believers. We have God's purpose on our lives. We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we are called to not only become disciples, but to go and make disciples, to take people to heaven with us. For now, we focus on our soul, and we keep our body under control. For now, the process of sanctification focuses on our soul, and we need to keep our bodies under control. So in conclusion, where I started is where I'll end. Your salvation is an accomplished fact in your spirit. It is a present process in your soul. And it is a future prospect for your body. On that day, it will be job done, finished. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I hope that encourages you today. How about we close in a word of prayer just for what we've heard today? Let's bow our heads, let's bow our hearts. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for being able to gather together this Sunday. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it would be, we've been looking at your word. You've been guiding each one individually into your knowledge into your knowledge about themselves and their knowledge about you and their knowledge about this, their place in this world, in this fallen and hurting world. We thank you that we are still here. Hallelujah. We thank you that you've given us everything that pertains to life and living and not just surviving, but living well. Hallelujah. That we can thrive in this season. We can thrive in these times. Well, we give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I would love to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to give you the ABCs of salvation. It's real simple. The A stands for acknowledge. Salvation requires that you acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. If the Holy Spirit's been convicting you today, of your sins, the things you've done wrong, the things you keep doing wrong. And God is inviting you today. He's wooing you to forgiveness. It says, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. So you need to acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
And B stands for believe. You need to believe with your heart that Jesus is God come to earth in human skin, that God sent Jesus. He lived a faultless and blameless life without sin, that he went to the cross to pay for your debts and mine. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, trading places with you on that cross. You need to believe that. And not only that he went there to do that, but that he died, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again, praise God. And today he sits at the right hand of the Father on the mercy seat, listening to your cries for mercy. Truly, as you listen, Christ is listening for your cry for mercy. And the third part, the C, is confess. You need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth. Confess before others. Those are the ABCs. I'll lead you in a prayer. This is not a magical prayer. It's just an outline. You can pray this, and if you pray it believing, you will be saved. Father, I confess my sins before you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you, Jesus, came and died in my place on the cross. I believe you were in the grave for three days and that you rose again on the third day. And I believe at this very moment you're seated at the right hand of the Father, listening mercifully to my cry for mercy. I ask for mercy for my sins. I ask you to wash them away. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. I ask you to take all of it. Use me. Use me. Use me in this generation. I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask for opportunity to confess you before others. And I thank you for the salvation of my spirit. I ask you to come and begin sanctifying my soul. And I look forward with great hope to the day of the sanctification of my body when it's job done. I give you praise. I give you glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all together we said, amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And join us after the service. We're going to do another song on worship. And then come and join us in the post-service Zoom. We'd love to catch up with you and, uh, and just see you and see how you're doing. We've kept the service short today, so hopefully we can uh, enjoy an expanded time of fellowship after the service. If you just prayed uh, the sinner's prayer with me, if you just responded to the ABCs of salvation, we'd love to be in contact with you. Please feel free to email us at info at kccc.org.au. You can email us there, or you can email us at prayer at kccc.org.au, and we can uh, pray for you uh, if you need prayer. But we'd love to be in contact with you and help you along in this discipling process. So God bless you guys, and thanks for joining us. <music>